In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Victory Tuesday. It's Cleveland Browns. They fought, they battled, they sh- gave us proud. They made us proud. But I'm here with Ian Wright, and it's a post game show. Ian, wow, what a game. You know, there's one thing that I can't take on a non victory Monday, and that's not having a good morning, Cleveland. So listen, Paul, there's consistency. Everybody yearns for it, much like the intro. Everybody yearns for a good morning, Cleveland. So let's start this one up again. We're not going to re-edit it, much like Alexa in the last one. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a beautiful, sunny, cold day here in London, but I'm guessing you're even colder in Cleveland. It looked freezing in that stadium, but I'm here with Ian Right, Right, Right. Ian, how are you? Oh, my heart is warm now. All is good in the world. We are a day removed, not 24 hours removed from the heart palpitations, the beating of the aortas. And unfortunately, our Browns came out on on a very lopsided Ravens cover. But regardless, we're not a betting podcast. Jock Duffin's not here. You know, I got through the Monday or got through the Tuesday. Get through the Monday. Get through the Tuesday. Um, I was a little bit bright eyed and bushy tailed last night. Um, I thought there was a lot to go off of, which we're going to cover here in a short amount of time on our post game. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, for the most part, I'm good. I am not doom and gloom like I have in previous other seasons, right? It's good. And uh, let's go straight in it, the offense. What number out of 10 are you giving our offense after last night? Ooh. Now, this is the tough one because we scored 42 points, right? And offensively, at times, we could move the ball, we could run it, we could throw it, we could pretty much do whatever we wanted with it. But there was just a lot left on the field that I think ultimately ended up playing into our demise. We gave a nine last week for Tennessee. We don't do sevens, which is very uh, appropriate for this one. It is on the lowest end of an eight you can get because offensively we weren't perfect. We had some mishaps, I think just based on other aspects of the game, but there was a lot that we left out of there between the fumbles from the wide receivers that we recovered. It just was, it wasn't as crisp as I would want. So I would border on the low level of eight, high level of six. We'll go with an eight then. Okay. And uh, this is really interesting. We've had 1,500 votes that the Cleveland Brown fans are 69, a great number, encouraged by the performance and not 31% disappointed. Yeah. And as a counter even to what a lot of Browns fans are circulating through the Twitter sphere this year or this today is the, the Browns offense did that without Austin Hooper, without 
Odell Beckham. So it just kind of goes to show you with what this offense could become. But in the same sense, you also have to look at it on the other side. You had a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones step up. You had a guy like Jamarcus Bradley get his first couple snaps. snaps. Um, and then on the, uh, on the tight end standpoint, listen, we saw the, the, the emergence of David Njoku. He, he was alive. He dropped the ball in the end zone, but that's beside the point. How do you think the O-line did, mate? You know, I think they did okay. Um, overall, I think that the, the pass blocking was a little bit weak at times, I thought. Now, Baker didn't get sacked, which is, ultimate stat, is the ultimate stat. But I thought a couple times you could tell he got a little bit uncomfortable in the pocket. The good part about that is Baker – really has a level of confidence this year that he didn't have last year where he knows that more often than not, the offensive line will hold up. So he doesn't do the same dumb shit that he did last year and scurry around and, you know, take a dumb sack. So he gets out, he lives to throw another day. Um, so overall, I think that the Browns offensive line played at, or, you know, a, 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 an above average level, I think is the best way to put that. On the eye test, I did feel that the, the Baltimore defense was putting a lot of pressure on our O-line, and I was concerned. And I think Baker was under pressure. We haven't seen the PFF grades. You may have, but I haven't. So, um, But it did feel on the eye test that Baker you know, was under pressure. The O-line wasn't as solid as it has been. I mean, I think that's true. I mean, they ended the game with no sacks. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no sacks. They had five hits on the quarterback and 21 hurries. So a lot of that is, you know, a game that's that high scoring. There's a lot of offensive snaps. You're chasing a number. Um, so what they consider to be a hurry, you know, Calais Campbell, I know, had three. Uh, Just, Justin Matabuke had four. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe got back there a few times and caused some, caused some panic. But, you know, at the end of the day, Baltimore has four very good defensive linemen in Yannick Ngakwe, Derek Wolf, Calais Campbell, and Matthew Judon. So at the end of the day, in games like that, I think if the Browns O-line performs to that level, I think we'll be okay moving forward. Let's move on to the defense. Now, we could either go defense or special team. And if you are watching this podcast live, which we don't offer the facility, you will see Ian with his tongue out making silly faces. Ian, defense, one number from you. That's all I ask. Three. Three. And here's why. John Harbaugh, good coach, says... Brown's defense, bad. Brown's defensive line, pretty good. So what do you do? You run Lamar Jackson. He breaks contained and he dances through our secondary like the dancing with wolves. Um, I mean, Lamar Jackson had nine carries for 124 yards, average a first down every time he ran the ball. We didn't have an answer for a playmaker. To be fair, not a lot of people do. Um, whether he had shit cramps or leg cramps or whatever cramps he had, you kind of almost wish Trace McStorley would have stayed in the game, but beside the point, um, they just, the Browns defense lacks a second level playmaker. And as much as we want to crush on Colin Cowherd about the back seven being weak and, you know, 
Ronnie Harrison, Grant Delpit, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, all these guys being out, it's so what? You got to play. And Terrence Mitchell struggled. Kevin Johnson struggled. Andrew Sandejo, better in run defense. In coverage, he's a liability. And we'll, we'll get into him a little bit later in a play that I really thought just encompasses this whole Browns team. And MJ Stewart, poop, bad. Ooh, eek. So I, we saw a little Sheldrick Redwine out there. Um, it just, it wasn't good. Olivier Vernon, I thought had a really good game. I thought Miles Garrett played well. Are we really shocked that our two highest paid defenders played well? And I thought Sione Takitaki in terms of, you know, growing as a, you know, run stuffing linebacker, I thought he played well. So outside of that, a couple things to note. I thought Malcolm Smith played okay. Um, Sheldon, uh, Sheldon, Sheldon Richardson, I thought had a pretty good game. I'm telling you, I want him back outside of that. No, they needed to make a stop. I will tell you, I'd have elevated the defense's grade two freaking points if they don't allow that field goal to happen. And listen, I understand it. Justin Tucker is, you know, a legend in terms of the kicking sphere. He's going to go down as probably one of the best kickers of all time. I get it. But BJ Goodson whiffing on the tackle on the first thing, allowing uh, Mark, Andrews, Mark Andrews to get nine more yards. Then it's third and 10 and we give up a third and 10 third and 12 we give up a completion of willie sneed from trace mcsorley come on defense like we needed one guy one guy to make a play and you win that game but you know you had the the issues on offense where we allegedly scored too fast and i could get you could get into the nuances of that i think stefanski came out today and did the right thing and just said listen you have to give a hat tip to kareem hunt he gets rewarded for such an extraordinary effort and i get that but you know the defense had a chance to make a play. They don't have a playmaker. They didn't make a play. They got burned on a fourth and five. Then they got burned, you know, on the, uh, the Mark Andrews play. Like I said, it just, it was a below average performance by a below average defense. I mean, we're not a top half of the league defense. I think everybody knows that. Yeah. MJ Stewart was the captain game day captain. First two plays gave away penalties. Um, I think it got to him last night. He wasn't very cool and collective. Um, he struggled. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, gave up an NFL passer rating of a 118 when in coverage. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to see much of him once Denzel gets back. So I think he's a good slot. I think sticking him out there on the edge against, you know, I think it was Miles Boykin or Willie Sneed or one of the guys, but he struggled. I mean, he's, he's a backup. He got cut for a reason. You know, if he can come in here and develop into something, Great. But I mean, just defensively, we're lacking. And, you know, it, Baltimore knows how to, how to exploit. They're playing better. You know, they're not battling through the RG3s and the Dallases. You know, they're a good team. You know, it was a great game. It took a lot of very interesting occurrences for you to lose. But at the end of the day, I think it's probably the best I've felt after a loss of the Ravens in a while. We didn't get embarrassed. I thought we fought with them tooth and nail at every point. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of room. You know, I heard Gerard Cherry after the game talking about how sometimes you sit back and you watch these games on film knowing the outcome and going, damn, if we would have done this one thing better, we'd have won. And I think whether you're sitting in the special teams room, whether you're sitting in the offensive room, whether you're sitting in the defensive room, I think every single player can look at themselves and say, I could have made a play that would have ultimately led us to the win. 
and I hope it happens. I think we'll be better moving forward, if I'm saying that correctly. Ian, I, I don't want to go too much into de- um, draft during a uh, post-game show, but you know we've got a handful of picks. I think we've got all normal picks. Two-thirds or no? Yeah, there's one of the mid-rounds. We have a couple extras, but... but- we all know what positions we should be, what positions we should be taking. What would be your f- first three draft picks positions at the moment? Um, well, don't ask Brown's Twitter this question because some of the things they say would absolutely just make my head explode. One of them being, I can almost guarantee you this: the Browns will not be drafting a linebacker with a first round pick. We already know that. Andrew Barry and Joe Woods are on the same page in terms of what they want to play. Woods wants to play three safeties. That's what he wants to do. Okay. So he needs to, he's going to play the nickel. Okay. So we need two, two linebackers. You've already drafted Sione Takitaki. You've already drafted Jacobs Phillips. You've already drafted Mac Wilson, who continues as to quote the famous uh, Zach Jackson better on social media than he is on the field. I mean, you got to let these guys figure out who are going to be the two guys. So my order in this exact order is, on your draft board, you take the best available player from these three positions. Pass rusher, secondary player, okay? Browns are going to be picking in the 20s. You can take a safety. I don't care. Safety corner. Pass rusher, number one, if you get some guy that drops. Best secondary, number two. Best wide receiver, number three. Interesting. Yes. That's the order. You do not spend first-round picks on linebackers, on guards, on tight ends, uh, Listen, give me a second, give me a pass rusher, a secondary player, or a wide receiver. That's it. First round. Because ultimately, think about the slew of guys we got coming back. Delpit, Harrison, Ward, Gree. You hope all those guys come back. We need one more. We need one more. Sandejo, love him. The effort he puts out there on the field, he ain't coming back. Carl Joseph, I can't see him making a triumphant return. So does Sheldon Richardson or Sheldon Richardson, Sheldrick Redwine become your fifth secondary player? Maybe, but I'd love to have some competition in the room. I'd love to have that slot nick or have that nickel corner. There's a few guys out there. But you've got to have the depth. Otherwise, we're in the same situation as this mm-hmm. year. And we have you know, an offense. You've got to over hire. And um, as we start say at the start of the season, how are we going to fit in all these wide receivers? And then three games before the end, you know, we're bringing in undrafted free agents. It happens every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And listen, it's with the wide receiver, it's more about developing people that would in turn be able to develop under the Odell's and the Jarvis's because once those deals start going around, you need to kind of have that mid tier talent beneath it. And it'd be nice to have, a first round talent. Just think of the Browns had Justin Jefferson. I know Jack and I belabored this last podcast about Stefan Dix for Justin Jefferson, but imagine you have a late twenties wide receiver for five years under control, like a Justin Jefferson, you know, or a Brandon Ayuk who's doing a lot of things in San Francisco, you know? So if you can get a guy, you know, obviously Chris Olave is one that's very well known to Browns fans or even like a Rondale Moore out of uh, Purdue. I mean, I know he's had the knee injury last year, but if you can get a first round talent playmaker towards the end of the back of the first round, I'd do it in a heartbeat if there's no pass rushers or secondary players there. Who would you give the game ball to? You know, that's a good question. Um, 
Kareem Hunt. I thought Kareem Hunt really just when you left the game, I mean, he finished, I think, six catches, 75 yards, uh, you know, over 100 yards total, I believe total. He was either at or around 100 yards um, with two touchdowns. I'd give it to Kareem Hunt. I thought he really laid it out there. That effort he made to get that touchdown, yes, we'd have probably liked him uh, to fall about a half yard short so he could run 20, 30 seconds off the clock. But, hey, listen, at the end of the day, I thought Kareem Hunt really busted his ass, put it out there. I thought Nick Chubb, you know, Anytime you can average almost five yards of carry against the Ravens, you know, that's a yeoman's work there. Uh, Baker, I thought, had a good game. He did have the one interception, which, by the way, can we – I don't get to specials. Cody Parkey is not the reason the Browns lost this game, okay? He missed an extra point in the first quarter and then missed a field goal in the first quarter. The Browns were not chasing these points for three quarters, They've got the two-point conversion. We block Tuckers. Okay, Cody Parkey, we just can't add four points at the end of the game. It doesn't work like that. So enough of that. You know why we lost the game? Because we didn't step up and make a play. Baker gave them seven points on an interception. The special teams gave them 25 yards of field position, not downing the ball inside the five-yard line. The defense gave them yards and penalties. You know, each side of the ball contributed to that loss. We didn't make a play, and that's ultimately what happened. So let's get off the Cody Parkey losses the game crap. Well, it does fall nicely onto our next section of special teams. Professional now, segue. Ian, are you going less than three or higher than a three? Less. Like the price is right. Specials, we said it yesterday. The special teams had to be special. They sucked. They, <laughs> they get a one. A one. Terrible. Not only because of the missed extra point, which I just contradicted myself, but still you get what I'm saying. Not only because of the uh, missed field goal. You know, Parkey went four or five. I get it, um, which is great. He only had one chance to make the field goal. You know, Gillen had the one nice punt, which was, I believe, like a 56-yarder. But then if I'm not mistaken, his other punt sucked. So let's see. If he had a 45 average, that means his other one was 34. So 34 for the other one. Um, we had one kickoff return, didn't get back to the 25. Donovan Peoples-Jones was virtually useless on uh, punt return. Um, we didn't make any plays on special teams. We couldn't down a ball. Bad. One. We got worked in the special teams game. Friend of the podcast, Scottish Hammer, didn't seem to have a good game. One good, one bad. Yeah. Parkey, okay, had a bad game. You know, it happens. You can't expect everyone to be. Only on thing fire I will tell you time, about so. Parkey, I at least like that his consistency. So, like Cybert, we watched a lot of inconsistencies with his kicking, hence why he's now kicking for the Bungles. At least on Parkey, I saw the so the one the two that he missed he had the one that obviously he pulled the other one he I think he pushed it to the opposite post. But if you watch, he's consistent in his approach he's consistent in his footwork i i i think this will be the you know the um the exception to the rule with cody park like kickers are gonna miss dan bailey's out here missing 14 points greg zerline's missing them like listen i get it guys are gonna miss tucker got one blocked um we gotta make those that's no excuse you gotta make them trust me mike mike prefer is gonna tell you the same thing during coordinator day but at the end of the day i'm not really all that worried about parky i thought that he at least looks to be staying consistent with his approach, which is what I'm looking for. 
Okay, last question. How do you feel the coach? Did he make the right calls last night? You know, there's a lot. Of, he's getting a lot of heat, which I don't understand. I think the, I think the decision on the managers or coaches was drastically affected by the interesting nature. And I know Baker is probably going to get fined, but luckily the NFL has absolutely no bearing over what I say. The officiating last night was not good and it wasn't good for either side. So this isn't like, you know, I'm a, being a homer towards the Browns or the Ravens, but that offensive pass interference that cost the inside the two minutes of the first half was total bullshit. The intentional grounding was bullshit. There was a couple plays that I thought there was holds. I mean, does Miles Garrett, does he not get holding calls? Like, I don't know what's going on there. So I thought Stefanski looked bad at the end of the first half. He ultimately got screwed by a bullshit OPI, and I really can't kill him for Kareem Hunt scoring too fast. So I like Kevin. Did I hear they had 15 players <laughs> on the field at once? Is that a joke? That would be the Ravens. So the, Brown, the Browns ran a play. They, Baker caught him in a change, right? So I will say this about – you talk about good coaching. So Alex Van Pelt is making Baker like a development project of Aaron Rodgers in terms of – stop. All you Twitter people, Baker Mayfield's not Aaron Rodgers. What I'm saying is the hard count, the cadence – also the ability to recognize when the defense is in a substitution. So Baker had two, I thought, very astute plays. He, on one, saw that the Ravens were substituting, ran up to the line, got the ball snapped. The officials somehow missed it. But yes, on the count, there was 15 guys on the field. There was also one where Marcus Peters was lined up, I think, at least a yard and a half offsides was uncalled. And then later in the game, Baker was doing the same thing, I believe on a fourth and four, which if I'm not mistaken, was the Hollywood Higgins touchdown. So correct me if I'm wrong, but Baker rushed up and was going to snap the ball. And the Ravens had to call timeout because they were doing the same change and they didn't want to give the Browns a free first down. So I think Baker's control of the offense. And I think Van Pelt's tutelage there is really paying off. So hat tip to you, uh, Alex Van Pelt. Yeah, some good news is, Ward is coming back this week. Hooper's coming back this week. Allegedly. We'll see. I still don't know what happened to Austin Hooper. He said he had a neck. Would he sleep wrong? Viagra got caught in his neck. Yeah, for $40 million, you'd think he'd have had a good masseuse. Mm. But, yeah, so... Oh, overall, what were your thoughts? Like, when you went to bed quickly after the game, and I'm sure, what, 6 a.m., what did you lay your head on the pillow thinking? We're going into Paul's bed. I honestly thought that... We have got a team that on a different day can win playoff games. Good. That's what we want. And I think you're right. And I'm telling you right now, I am more confident about the Steelers game now after watching what they did with the Ravens, bouncing back 38-6 to that. Steelers offense isn't hanging 45 on you. So remember, the Ravens offense was solely based around a running quarterback because we got bad linebacker play. Mac Wilson, Jacob Phillips. Big the ben second thing bad. I thought when I was going to bed was, what do we need to do to make this a winning playoff team? And I think that that you kind of answered it in the draft draft talk. But well, even know. between before then, I mean, I think the Browns need they have their identity on offense. And listen, I Jack and I have talked about this before. The idea that the Browns are this team that's going to like just set up the run right off the bat, like they're not. They they people have taken that three game stint in you know the. El Nino weather conditions and form this idea. The Browns can pass the football. They can throw the ball. And by throwing the ball, 
you then make the running game much more effective. So, I mean, I think Joe Banner was even talking about it, and I know he's not well-liked by our boy Jack McCurry, but at the end of the day, the Browns have the ability to open it up, to throw the ball around. You know, then we can hit them with the run. So, yes, you're 100% right, Paul. This team can win playoff games. This team can go to Tennessee and win a game. This team can go toe-to-toe with Buffalo. It's going to struggle after watching what Josh Allen, who doesn't run as much as Lamar, but beside the point. I'm telling you right now, I would not be opposed to playing the Steelers in the playoffs. The way they are right now, they're a broken-down hoopty trying to get to the finish line. Yes, you heard that. Have you seen our playoff chances now? They're still pretty good, if I'm not mistaken, because everybody yeah. else lost. If we win the two New York games, I'm guessing we're through. I think we just have to win one more. I, mean, I think you have to win the Jets or the Giants. I think you, just, you get the 10 wins, you're pretty much in. The Raiders lost to the Colts. We have the tie break on them. I'll pull up the updated uh, standings on this. But yeah, Ravens I think it's eight, though, mate. That's the problem. Yeah, that's fine. That's, but they're still a game behind us, right? Yeah, they're a game behind us. I'm talking about making the playoffs, not necessarily like what seed. But the, I mean, as of right now, I don't even, the Ravens aren't even in the playoffs yet. The Dolphins are in. Yeah, but they're only one game behind us. So, yeah. If my aunt had a groin, she'd be my uncle. Hmm. I don't feel that bad about it. We're making the playoffs. All right, Ian. It was a great game. One of the best games of the season, but we did lose. We did. But that's the hard thing. But we went out there. We avenged the 38 to 6. So I think that ultimately, you know, a couple of years ago, if you remember right, I believe it was on a Monday night, the Chiefs and the Rams played a game that was much like this one where it was scoring and scoring. It was back and forth. And everybody talked about the game forever and talked about how great of a game it was. I think this will go down as the best Monday night game of the season. And I've watched a lot of them. You just, you watched, you know, whether it was because of poop gate or whatever with Lamar Jackson, but um, I think the Browns showed that they're a force to be reckoned with with defensive issues. And I think the Ravens showed they're a force to be reckoned with with defensive issues. There are two equally matched teams. You know, don't ask the commentators that because they were stroking the Ravens like there was no tomorrow, but that's beside the point. And after yesterday, do you think Lamar will get an extension? God, I hope so. I'd give him 200 million. Give him all the money he wants. That guy can't throw to save a lick. All right. Well, look, we have got the Giants next, which Sunday I night think football. will be an easy game, but you never know in the NFL. The NFL. Giants are tough. Listen, Giants are tough. Bring your lunch pails to work. Leonard Williams, Wyatt Teller, J.C. Treader, Joel Batonio. Man, the Giants are going to make you work. So, I Sunday night football, they're going to be hyped up. Danny Dimes is going to probably be a little bit better off of his hamstring injury. You know, Wayne Gallman's filled in nicely for Saquon Barkley. They got a halfway decent receiving core. They got Evan Ingram, who's going to be a matchup nightmare for our crappy t- uh, linebackers. I'll tell you, the Giants are going to – you better – you got to come to work. You better come to work. All right, Ian. Well, look, I'm going to get some sleep. I had four-hour sleep last night. I want all the listeners to tell us – what they think offense was eight defense was three and special team was one if you disagree or agree always keen to know always keen to get the uh your input in as well we're looking forward to it and uh you know i know you've had uh some good engagement so last do you want to talk about your little uh your little channel five sky sports uh endeavor what'd you what'd you think how does it feel being a local celebrity well, Ian, that's really interesting because 
I thought I was on Sky Sports, but I was actually on the worst terrestrial TV in the UK. So it's nothing to be big about. So uh, I was on the worst channel in the UK that's for free. You know, Big Brother's on it, and that's the only thing that you'd ever go and watch on Channel 5. But interestingly, some people that I didn't realise watch NFL did see me, did text me. So it was quite interesting. Just you're gaining ground. You're gaining ground. Taking over the world, Mr. Paul. I wouldn't go that far, but I've had a lot of drinks tonight. Hopefully I'm you just tired, remember us little I can't people. wait until my head hits that pillow. Get yourself there. Most importantly, go Browns. Go Browns. Think of what I'm saying. We can work it out and get it straight. I'll say goodnight. We can work it out. We can work it out. Life is very short and there's no time for fussing and fighting, my friend. See it, my.